secret well, sign. So <laughs> we're, we're subtle around here. <laughs> subtle. If you would, turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's go. Let's open the word tonight and see what wonderful thing comes into our heart and our spirit, strengthens us by his might in our inner man. Chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, we've been looking at it. This is our third or fourth time. Let's see, third time. Hallelujah. Verse 12 says, now we have received. Isn't this marvelous? I hope you've marked the scripture up. Now we have received, right now we have received, not the spirit of the world. That, that's what we had, but we have received. We were born with the spirit of this world, but now we have received. It has come to us, the spirit which is of God. God's spirit, we have received God's spirit. Why? Everything has a why to it. There's nothing like just decorating for Christmas in the kingdom of heaven. Everything has a reason. But the spirit which is of God that we might know, we might discover, that we might understand the things that are freely given to us of God. So how do we know the things which are freely given to us of God? How do we know? Well, we just see them and we just feel them and we discern them and we know the Spirit of God reveals. So anytime you know and understand and discover that something that the Lord's given, even like testimonies tonight, you know that the Holy Ghost revealed that. Can we say amen? The Holy Ghost is at work inside of us, working for our benefit, helping us. And he's not trying to just show you what, where not to go and who not to be with. He's telling you the things. There must be a lot of things. There must be an abundance of things. In other words, it's not a three-part a three list. There's gazillions of things which he has given to us of God. Well, we hadn't discovered them all. There's more to be heard. There's more to know. There's more to be privy to. The Amplified says that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts of divine favor and blessing so freely and lavishly bestowed on us, so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. It's better than we think. It's better than we know. It's better. Because it doesn't take Holy Spirit to understand, well, we ate good today and we slept good last night and our, our bills are paid. We, we don't need Holy Spirit to tell us that. What we need is him to tell us, so shall it always be. And there's plenty more where that came from. That's what we need to know from what he uh, has telling us. So there's no way that we can reason out, reason out the benefits of God into our life. The new birth is not just I got saved out of hell and got saved out of the devil it is just so much more than that door that opens into a palace of his majesty and his glory and his amazing. And we, we just, just dumb as a rock, dumb as a bag of hammers, as they say, if we don't know there's more. And so many people, that's all they know. Well, what has God, what has God prepared for you because he loves you? I'm going to heaven, I hope. Hope I've done enough. You hear them, Christians been there 60 years, born again. 60 years, they'll point back and say, that's when I got saved. 
Are you going to heaven? I hope so. And you just, wow, 60 years ought to be enough experience of knowing the Holy Ghost to say, he has showed me miles and miles of his benefits and his blessings. So uh, let's just say this, that God is not, that you can't go where God has assigned you according to intuition, senses, feelings. You can't go there. That's where religion lives, is they just say, well, I feel like, or I think this is the way it is. And they're just wrong. If Holy Ghost doesn't agree with that, they're just wrong, and they're wrong every time. So uh, we've got to get the Holy Ghost activated in our lives to say, what about me? And where, we, where do you want me to go? And what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to be with? Do you want me to take this overtime job or not? Do you, do you want me to send my kids to this school or not? Do you want me to live in where and whatever? What kind of car do you want me to buy? I mean, it's like, really? Does he care? Sometimes he does. Sometimes he'll, he'll tell you, don't buy that. That's a lemon. Y'all know what a lemon is. Don't buy it. Don't buy, don't buy that house because, because, because. So in Mark chapter 4, we got a giddy up here. Mark chapter 4. We're talking about discovering the harvest that is always in our seed. Mark chapter 4, discovering the harvest that's always in our seed. Y'all have a seed? Y'all have a seed in the ground somewhere? Yes, we do. We're, we're not those that do not sow. In chapter 4, let's look in verse 21. It says, And he said unto them, the Lord Jesus, he said, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel? It's rhetorical. Or under a bed? And not to be set on a candlestick? He said, Don't mess with the purposes that you understand. Don't be out of order. Don't be, don't be using what is for one thing for another. For there is nothing hid. He said, the light needs to be where it can shine. There is nothing hid. Shine the light where there's nothing hid, which shall not be manifested, neither is anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. The, the Holy Ghost is shining the light. He's shining the light. And if you don't look and let the light shine, you'll think there is no light. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear, understand. And he said unto them, Take heed, take, take, what would be the word for heed? Pay attention to what you hear. Focus on what you hear. Give weight and worth and value to what you hear. For with what measure you meet. So he tells us why. Because your hearing is important. With what measure you, you give out. It shall be measured to you. Oh, I thought God was in control. No, he said, it's up to you. The measure you put out is the measures coming back. Oh, God's not in control. No, it's up to you. You don't put out anything. You don't give attention and focus and wait to anything. That's exactly how it's coming back. Well, so and unto you that hear, more shall be given. Verse 20, yeah, the 24. So, uh, the New Living says, pay attention, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, listen, this is us, this is all of us. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. 
Now, two years ago, we had a member. And y'all remember when we used to have, uh, we did everything on CD. Barry made a master CD of every service. And we put them in little styrofoam steak boxes and just piled them in. And there'd be a whole year's worth in there. And uh, there's a member that came by and said, I want whatever you got. And so I, I piled in 2012. And he said, I listened to this one three times. I listened to this one four times. And he went through the, you know, back then we were doing, back in 12, we may have been doing three services a, a week. No, no less than two. So there was at least 100. And they were all an hour long. You know they were. <laughs> Yay, verily. And so it's just, and I, and I tell that story about me on the tractor. That's, I didn't know, didn't know anything, but I got on the tractor and just put Brother Copeland in and just turned him over and then put him back in and then turned him over and then put in that back in the case and the dust and the dirt and put number two in. And all day long, I would cultivate or plant or whatever I was doing on the farm. And I listened all day long. And suddenly I got hungry. That's how you spark your appetite, is you just put it in when you don't really want to put it in. And pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. So $100, if we were to pass $100 around and I would sow it into Deborah Ann and then after service, she said, I felt led to give that $100 to Pam. And then Pam the next morning got up and said, I'm supposed to sew this into Melissa. And then Melissa said, I'm going to, you know, and it went around the whole church, $100. If we could, and I don't guess we can exactly, if we could measure the return on that $100 every time somebody sewed the same figure, do you think it would be exactly the same harvest based on what we just read? He said, oh, according to the... Pay attention. The closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given and you'll receive an, even more. That $100 would yield more in some people's lives based on what? Understanding. They would be purposeful. They would, be, they would water their seed. They would come back in and, and, uh, and speak to their seed. And, you know, and other people just like, whatever. I just, easy come, easy go. They're not going to have the same return on their $100 that somebody else did. Or if we just gave everybody $100 and then we came back and we knew in a month, everybody said, this is what I got. We know that the three servants in Matthew 25, they knew what they got. They went and did business and they knew the amount they had. So different understanding produces different harvests. So how come everybody that's got an income and a relatively even income, I mean, Nobody in here is making a million dollars a month yet, you know, yet. It's coming. It's all over us. I'm telling you, there's money is everywhere. Money is the easiest thing in the kingdom because it doesn't involve people. The, well, anyway, uh, so different understanding produces different harvests. And so now I've observed this. I watch it. Non-tithers, people that don't tithe. I ain't giving that preacher none of my money. Or people, the same thing. You go, well, that's just a group all themselves, non-tithers. No, there's another group called separated from their money by 10%. And they, they, they give the amount that a tither gives, but they're not tithers. 
and they're sad when they give and they don't have any expecting. You go, oh, how am I going to pay this bill and what are we going to do? And their tithers bless the Lord. Their covenant enforcers bless the Lord and they still don't know. Well, it's, they're, they're fearful. I listen to them. I listen to tithers. And then I listen to non-tithers. And non-tithers or people that are separated from their money, they're not tithing, but they're giving 10% or something. They're fearful about their supply. Are y'all listening to me? It's not that you say, well, how much money did you get, tither? I'll measure it up against it. It's not that necessarily. It's the fear. What's going to happen? Because it's a scary world out there, as y'all know. It is scary. The reason you may not know it's as scary as it is is because the faith of God has got you locked in. Uh, Proverbs 13, 22 says the wealth of the sinner is laid up, is laid up, is, is laid by for the righteous, for the just. That tells you how the economic system works is him who has more shall be given and he shall have an abundance. That's how it works. Well, the sinner, the unrighteous, the unregenerate, they're good at business. That's all they're good at, but they're good at business. They, they know how to go out and turn the market and cheat and steal and connive and lie and all that stuff. And they can make money come into their hand. Y'all need to know that. It's not just, well, us Christians got it and they don't. No, they, they're good at what they do, but they can't hold on to it. Because to him who has, more shall be given. If you don't have understanding, if you don't know what the money's for, if money wants to get where it belongs. All money wants to get where it belongs. It is men give to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall men give? That's because money is trying to get where it belongs. Where does it belong? It's the harvest on seed that's sown. If I sow a seed, bless God, there's money out there that says, I've been enlisted. I've been drafted. I've been called out. I got, I got to get myself over and get, I'm part of this harvest. That's my new identity. And so it starts moving. Did y'all know this? It starts moving where? To the seed sower. To him that hath, more shall be given. And he that hath not, even that which he thinketh he has, think he has, shall be taken away. He can't hold on to it. They can't hold on to it. But you get a man of God, a woman of God, that somehow makes a mistake and goes belly up and just, you know, blows it all out. And, and you go, what's he going to do? He doesn't have anything. Ah, but he hath. Hath understanding. Hath revelation. He's identified with that. It's who he is. It's not what he has. Well, he lost his money. He's not rich anymore. Oh, rich is not an amount of money. Rich is who you are inside. He made us rich. He didn't say he gave us stuff. He made us rich. How, how do we know that? Because he became poor that we through his poverty might be made rich. So that's who we are. So it doesn't even, it doesn't even offset us. When money falls out here or money falls out or whatever, what, it doesn't matter. Money doesn't matter because that's who we are and we are so-called money magnets. And it's coming to him who hath. And he shall have abundance. Well, where's your abundance? <laughs> I, it's on call. If I need it, boom, 
That's what, that's what uh, Barry was sharing Sunday morning. It was powerful. It's on demand. I don't have to see it, don't have to know where it is until I need it. And then I make a demand, and he who hath, more shall be given, and he shall have an abundance. This is so good. So the wicked and unregenerate, they don't understand. They don't understand what I just said. They don't. They think that wealth is measured by amounts, properties, accumulation. They think that's what measures. But they're all, they're all every one of them, their liver quivers because they don't know when it's going to go. They, they're, they're trying to protect it. So uh, it's, it's been given to us. It is pursuing me. Money is pursuing me. Is that what Luke 638 says? It is men are giving. Do you deserve it? Did you work for it? Did you sell something? Oh, it's so much more than that. So much more than that. So verse 24, let's go back to the word here. It says, uh, uh, take heed what you hear with what the measure you meet. It shall be measured you and unto you that hear shall more be given. You that understand more shall be given. So the man that hath, what does he hath? Understanding. Understanding. I know who I am. If I have an assignment on my life from heaven, my assignment by default is funded. My assignment is, now if I never sign up and said, I, I'm assigned, I got to go do my assignment. I'm going to children's church. I'm going, I'm going to the outreach plan. Uh, if you never, if you just sit there and like, whatever. Well, there's no, there's no funding needed for you. You have to, you have to sign up for your assignment. But once you do, It's running after you. It's pursuing you. So uh, verse 24, you can't control all you hear, but you can be at the right place at the right time. So you don't have to be in front of unbelieving, unregenerate sinner people and listen to their garbage. You can go, go put Curry Blake on or Pastor Billings or Kenneth Copeland or just anybody. You can, you can control your atmosphere by controlling what you're not around. So I wrote this down. You can agree with it or not. But young, young people and good people are in heaven. Listen, because they went to the wrong church. Well, if God's in control, he's got everybody in the right church. But God does not ever send anybody to a church that's preaching and teaching lies. If they say... You never know what God's going to do. If they say God works in mysterious ways, if they say the miraculous passed away, tongues are of the devil, God did not assign them to that church. And if there's no assignment on their life, then they're not under that mantle or that, uh, that control for their assignment. They're not with the right people because obviously they're in the wrong church listening to the wrong message. And you might say, is that bad? It's not, it might not be bad, but the Lord didn't send you there. We'd agree, wouldn't we? We're, we're not saying anything about River Church. We're just saying if they're preaching lies innocently and, and, and because they're denominational or because they're, they are good people and they do good things and they fund missionaries and they 
We're not saying all that. We're just saying, did he assign anybody there? No, he's going to assign it where the message is truth. That's who he's going to, by unction. We'd go back to that, say, uh, uh, that we would, Holy Spirit is going to tell us where to go so he can reveal to us everything that he has uh, bestowed on us by God. If, if that's his job, then he has to do it apart from church if church is not telling the truth. Is that, now, is that right? We're not, we're, not, we're not mad at any of them. Because I've been in the wrong church, and I've been with the wrong people. And when I found it and saw it, I, I, I cut those people off from my life. Uh, would you say that divorce people, divorce people, now people say God hates divorce. Well, there's another side to that, that he, he delivers people. He is a delivering God. He doesn't want you arbitrarily, and we're not going into that, just divorcing and saying, I, I, just, I can't take your blue eyes anymore. I just can't take them anymore. But, but he delivers people, and he is a marvelous deliverer. And so if you can't change your spouse, you got to get delivered of them. And so, but divorced people, would you say with me that they leave fragmented families in their wake? There's always damage. There's always collateral damage to divorce. No matter how well intended, no matter how righteous you are and right to leave and to go and, to, and do all that, there's no doubt that the situation is going to have collateral damage. People are going to be hurt. I'm, we're not blaming anybody. We're just saying there is danger there, uh, damage there. And you might go back. We're not going to, but you might go back and say, did the Lord lead you to marry her or marry him or whatever? And we'd have to go back. Well, I didn't know, Lord. I didn't know you then. Well, that's that's all of our stories. Isn't it? We didn't know. And so we did the best we could. And then it didn't work out because we had light. Light came and said, get out of this. You don't have to put up with it. And I've prepared a life for you. I've assigned you a glorious life. And so you get out and go, and you look back and say, whew, that was a mess. Amen. There was strife in that situation. Always there's strife before a divorce or whatever people go through. There's a lot of strife in people that never got divorced. So you don't get understanding if you're in the wrong church, but you also don't get understanding if you don't listen while you're in church. If you're in the wrong church and, and you're listening intently, but it's the wrong message, or if you're in the right church, but you just can't keep those pumpkin baby blues open and you just need a nap. Hallelujah. We, we, have, we have good chairs here. We have three-hour chairs. Hallelujah. So we would say, I'm just going down the list, that people have made and lost fortunes based on where they went to church. Oh, absolutely. And we would say that men, uh, predominantly probably, went and worked instead of going to church and made a little, and then the devil usually got it, but they did not hear their assignment for life. They didn't hear about Holy Spirit saying, I've prepared you some things. And so they, they, they weren't under a pastor that could help them and guide them. They said, I'm a, I got this, Lord, I got this. Uh, but God does not lead us where lies are told. 
I mean, consistently. I'm not saying if anybody ever said green was red and you go, oh my gosh, he just lied. I got to get out of here. We're not, we're not talking about that. We're talking about habitual and steady things. So I would ask, you would ask, how many Christians are in the wrong church? Could be a few. Doesn't matter, though. You be in the right church. You be in the right church. So he said in verse 24, oh my, I'm, I'm trying, I really am. Uh, With what measure you meet, it should be measured unto you. So that's talking to us about the importance of, our, of words. The words we hear to understand. So we got to pick who we hear and then we have to give ourselves to hearing. To, the word means understanding. So if you don't put value on what other people on, on his word being spoken or preached or somebody coming and maybe they don't quote scripture to you, but they tell you, hey, God loves you and God's got a plan for you. And it, it looks bad, but the Lord's got a way, way out. You encourage somebody, and, but they don't, they ignore you. And I, I tell you, I find this, I'm, I've been harping on it, but I, I've been talking about the homeless and, the, and the, the unchurched that we all run into. And that seems to be the key thing is they don't want to listen. They don't want to hear. And as soon as you whip out a can of beans or corn, all of a sudden they're done. I mean, they're kind of listening until you hand it over. We, we cleaned out half our pantry the other day in the kitchen for some families. I, I don't know what happened to, to, to them or anything. I'm just saying we had them. It would, they needed to be fed and we had them, so we, we transacted. But they weren't interested in hearing any more. As long as they were full and the heater came on every night. So we have to put value on the words that we hear so that we will have words to decree and declare and that it be established unto us. You have to hear the truth, to know the truth, to speak and decree the truth. Otherwise, you're just going to say, you know, it looks bad, it is bad, and and I don't know how it's going to get better. So you could say, if, just say, for an example, what did he preach on Sunday? I don't know, but it was good. You know, that sort of thing. But, but you, you would have to say, would you agree with me, if you can't repeat something that's said to you, that you didn't really hear it. Would we agree with that? If you can't repeat what was spoken to you, you didn't really hear it. And and, and unless you hear it, you don't have it. And he said, the Lord Jesus said, to them that have, more will be given. And if you didn't have it, then more can't be given. But if you have it, you listened to understand, you have it, more will be given. And then he went on and he said, and to him shall be abundance. So it wasn't just like a short-term thing. Well, you know, for on Tuesday I had it, but Wednesday it was gone. Abundance means it transcends the highs and the lows. Abundance means it's there all the time. Now, we might be caught up in this to say that's too simple. And that is the danger of the gospel. It is so simple and so easy. People want it to be complicated and hard. And what is step number 622? 
I, I, you know, no. There's just, just believe until you understand. And you'll start speaking it. So if you don't have it, if you don't have it, you can't get it. If you don't have it, you can't get it. If I don't have understanding, I can't get what understanding brings. So I have to have understanding. How do you get understanding? You hear until you understand. And once you have understanding, you understand this. It's, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. It says, he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. The Lord doesn't even want you and I to come up with the seed that he wants us to sow. He doesn't even say, go out there and work for it. You can work for it, and that's, it's good to work for it, but you don't have to. What do you have to do? You have to qualify for him to give seed. How does he, who does he give it to? Who does the Lord give seed to? The sower. I can do that. Might not could get a job and get money. I might not can, I, must, I might have to pay all my rent and couldn't, didn't have any left. But I can get seed because I'm a sower. So how do I prove I'm a sower? I look into my life and say, son, what have you got? I don't have anything. We don't have anything. Oh, that's not true because he gives seed to the sower. So if you don't have anything, you must not be a sower. Why are you not a sower? Because you don't have understanding. He who hath more shall be given. So how do you become a sower? By faith. You just start extending yourself. You just start uh, being kind and uh, planting. And y'all have heard Kenneth Copeland's story about planting his, pits, his visitor card uh, uh, pencil. Yeah, so that's it. Mark 638. We got we got eight, seven and a half minutes. So let's go. Let's just slip over to Mark chapter six. You're right there. Do you all know how challenging it is to get the whole service into one hour? <laughs> I mean, it may not be to you. It's like, when is he going to shut up? But from my side, it's like, OK. So verse 38, you know the story here. They're, they're out there, he's teaching, and, and they, say, uh, they say, it's time, Lord, it's supper time. By the time they get home, it's going to be past. And so he turned to them, verse 37, you give them to eat. And so when they said, we don't have anything, in verse 38, he said, how many loaves have ye? Say it with me. How many loaves have ye? So what was the Lord asking? What was he asking? Because he never asked anything that was trivial, that was insignificant, that was off a point. He said, how many loaves do you have? What was he asking? He was asking, how, what do you have to plant? What can we sow? He was not interested in the logistics of 20,000 people. Because there, there wasn't anybody there. They, they could have pulled up on the, on the sea with a boatload of fish and they, that wouldn't have fixed it. So the logistics was, this has got to be a miracle. It is impossible. But the seed solves the impossible every time. Well, how do you know that? Because he who hath 
hath understanding, hath wisdom, has insight, has revelation, has a heart to get a miracle. That's what the hath is. It's all those things. So Jesus in verse 41, slip over to 41 to see how he did. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed. So he spoke, didn't he? The word there is benediction. It means he blessed. He spoke a word and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. Now, that's a that's a that's a fish sandwich right there, isn't it? But uh, he divided two little fishes and it was a lad's it was a lad's lunch, whatever that was. He divided. So they all had a piece. They all had a seed of bread and a seed of fish. And the word says that uh, they did all eat, verse 42, and were filled. How, so what, what's in between there? What's between he divided them all and they did all eat? They all sowed. They all did what he did. He blessed it and he, he blessed it. The word says in Job that thou shalt decree a thing. So he blessed it. He decreed a thing. What did he decree? This is enough. That's what he decreed. Lord, I decree a thing and it shall be established on me and the light shall shine upon our ways. He decreed a thing. He said, he told the fish, the bread, what to do. And it couldn't help it. You go, well, that was Jesus. Ah, he's the firstborn among many brethren. If big brother can do it, the whole family gets to do it. This is so good. So Jesus only focused on what? What did Jesus focus on? What was his whole focus? The seed. He focused on what he had. So what are we focusing on? The need? Oh, it's tremendous. Every time you get a hold of the need, the need will grow and expand and increase and it'll sink your faith. So you can't go there. You can't go to the need. You have to go, my God shall supply. How will he supply? Well, it's not always that he just drops it out of heaven. Sometimes he gives you a fish and a loaf and says, get out there and give it to the other, the 12 boys who will then in each. Lynn was talking about it before, and we've seen it in one of our little miracle books over there where they never got to the bottom of the basket and then looked around. Just every time they took off a handful of fish from the bottom, it just came up. And it never emptied so much so that when they got through and everybody was full, we're full, we're full, we're done. We, we got enough. There was 12 full baskets. Why were there 12 full baskets? Because they never got emptied. And he sent it home with the boys. I'm telling you, it's so simple, but it's so true. And so all of our problems, our challenges are things that we're going, this looks scary. All of them are completely simplified by he who hath to he who hath more shall be given and he shall have abundance. But he that hath not even that which he think he has shall be taken away. That explains everybody. That explains me, explains you, it explains all of us. We're not here to sit there and moan and say, oh my, I didn't know and all that. Just pick your little red wagon up 
fill it up with seed and go plant, go sow. He gives seed to the sower. So we've got seed. Might have to look. Might have to look in your closet. Might have to look in your purse. Might have to look. I don't know where we look, but we all have seed. I said we all have seed. And so everybody can start. It's not like I got it. Would you give me a seed? That's not even wrong. We've been in services before where you say, who doesn't have a seed? Oh, I don't have any seed. And so somebody would come over and give them $5 and they had a seed. Because men are given to us, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So they give them a seed. Don't eat your seed. Plant your seed. So we should never consider that there's not enough. I want you all to get that. Never consider. You might not know where it is. You might know, not know what it is. You might not know who it is. But you never consider there is nothing. That there's never enough. There's always enough. It's just a path. Sometimes you've got to pray in the Holy Ghost. Uh, um, Leroy Thompson. I've told you all about his story where they didn't have money for a washing machine and had 73 kids or whatever he had back then. You know, the washing machine went out and they didn't have money for it, but they needed to wash clothes. And he went over there and laid hands on that machine. I've heard stories, you have too, about people that ran out of gas and went back there and laid hands on the car and the gauge went up and they went to town. It's marvelous. If we would live there, we would never leave living there. So we got to live there. We just got to live there. We got to have, well, I got plenty. I don't need anything. We, we got this and we got that and we don't need anything else. Ah, that's because you're tapping out this level. Just because that's the level you grew up on or the level that one day that one day in the past you said, if I ever get to there, you know. Well, that's not the only level you're at. That's just the first tier. That's just the first level. If there's breath in your lungs. The vision is still going forth. We never retire in the kingdom. Well, if you know you have a seed, you know you have a harvest. So there's harvest everywhere. So we're going to sow a seed, not because of this teaching. We do every time, but... <laughs> 